0: Hola
1: y gracias por escuchar nuestro programa. Hoy hablamos de dos de mis películas españolas favoritas, Roma y, Dolor y That is me saying hello and thank you for listening to our show. Today we'll be talking about two of my favorite Spanish
2: movies, Roma and Pain and Glory. Hey, so welcome everybody. This is through the lens All Things Movie Podcast, doing a, day number two, technically, of our foreign film expedition. We started off with Train to Busan and Lehane a long time ago, and now Not we're like back three weeks ago. Feels Okay, with the Snyder Cut and everything, it feels like a while ago. So now we're back for d- phase two, doing Pain and Glory and Roma. Two very good and very recent movies as well, uh, 2018 and 2019, I yes. believe, are the timestamps for both those films. But of course, first and foremost, we're going to start off with whatever news that we have first, and we've got a lot of it. So, first of all, Davis, I didn't know about this, and you wrote this down. So, the new Transformers movie, separate from the main franchise in development, I didn't hear anything about this this week.
1: I saw it on Screen Rant, so... Ah, well, I mean, it must be true. Yeah. Uh, That's that's the rules. Screen Rant's kind of like the People magazine of movies. That's good. Is that's, it? I feel like it's a little more reputable than people.
2: No, I mean, Scream Rant, Rant's like
1: BuzzFeed j- just for movies.
2: Is it? I mean, I just like, no, because- like Oh, I mean, time, I always
1: used to watch Scream Rant on YouTube. I
2: kind of like them. They have good videos. I like YouTube, but like every time I go on a Scream article, it's like, click this tab to continue the slideshow. And I'm like, what? Oh, I hate those. The slideshow. It is kind of like BuzzFeed. It's horrible. Horrible. Um, But yeah, did not know that's happening. Uh, How do you feel about that? Do The Transformers franchise does- Well, Bumblebee was good. Did you see Bumblebee? No, Haley Steinfeld is actually good. I recommend watching it. It's surprisingly good. I watched it on the way back from uh, Italy, actually, which was not ideal because my dad was trying to use me as a pillow at that moment. But you know, it still, moves pretty good. But um, do you think that they should continue this, or at least separate from the main franchise? Do you think they should keep? I didn't. The I didn't follow films?
1: Transformers all the way through.
2: Like, I not I've only seen like the, maybe the first two or three. I mean, that's what most people have seen. Because most people kind of gave up on them after they, you know, were bad. So. That makes sense, um, but yeah, that's happening. Also, Sylvester Stallone voicing King Shark in the new Suicide Squad movie. Did not know that. And Davis and I both watched the trailer. Davis, what are your thoughts? I thought it looked pretty entertaining. Looked
1: pretty good. I thought what, I thought it was Woody really Harrelson, but it's Michael Rooker. I always yeah, get those I two confused. I like I was telling Alex, the CGI for King Shark looks kind of terrible. Is awful. And it's PlayStation Two. I, level. I get that it's supposed to be a little more campy, but like John Cena's. I don't think John Cena's probably going to be that good in it. He's. I don't think he's that good of an actor. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, I, I like I'm Dragon sure he'll be War. he'll be charismatic. He's John Cena. He does yeah. his thing, but he's no Rock, obviously. Indeed. Indeed.
2: I so, mean, I-, I I'm interested to see how it goes. Honestly, Davis, I didn't like it at all. I really didn't like the beginning of it either. I th- I uh I do not like I think it's Joel Kinnaman who they cast as Flag. I liked him better in Suicide Squad, but in this, he just came off as very wooden. And again, it's a trailer. It's a 3-minute clip. I don't know everything about the movie, but it just seems a bit too like, you know, because Suicide Squad, the f- the first one, technically, was, you know, a mix of this sort of campy, exciting, fun times versus, you know, seriousness and intensity. And it s- tr- sort of tried to toe the line. The trailers kind of mixed that up, made it seem like it was one and then the other when it was trying to be both. Didn't really work out. This one is going in one direction, clearly. I just don't know if I like it. It seems a bit too much and a bit too over the top for me. But, you know... It is what it is. Also, Marvel movies beginning to start filming. Speaking of comic books, Captain Marvel two starts in May, and Ant Man three as well. Not really excited for either of those films, personally. I don't know about you, but
1: I like Ant Man. I've not seen Captain Marvel one. I've it's I've it's pretty mixed. I've heard a lot of the the very uh uh, uh fiery things said about it. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it.
2: I'm not gonna say. You know, I mean, like oh. if you
1: want if you want to criticize it from a strictly movie standpoint, go ahead. You should do that with every movie. But like a lot of the criticisms that I see are not from a movie standpoint. Yeah, yeah, and that's and part, that's my yeah. issue with people. Yeah. Like you can be like, I don't like this part of the movie because it's not fleshed out, and i I'm, and I think so. What I'm saying is a lot of people don't like the movie because there's a girl, powerful superhero. There's a lot of people that are like that. Mm. So do they not like Wonder Woman? No, oh. they don't. So, really? But I mean like. Well, they're like they're like we don't need re-listen because it's it's pandering to us. It's it's forced diversity, which is stupid. Shut up! I don't even get me started on the forced diversity part. Mm. That's so dumb. I'll get I, into that. I on another personally,
2: episode. I you know, I never have a problem with um, I never have a problem with female superheroes from the jump. Oh, no, like, I don't either. I, but I'm more at an issue with the way they marketed the film. Oh no, yeah, I
1: I, and this. I think that's that's a valid criticism. But some people don't. They're not making valid criticisms. Yeah. they they're just hate it because yeah. it's a powerful woman, and I'm and I I think it is an issue. With a lot of studios that want to write a strong female character, they skimp out on character development just for them to be powerful. Exactly, and I, which and I, I I don't have a problem with the powerful female character. I I think they're awesome. There should be powerful female characters. There should be powerful characters for all every, yeah everybody. all different identities. I agree, but I think when well, you have like a you have like a I was gonna say Killmonger. He was a villain. You've got to write it well. Yeah, yeah, like like Ray. I think that was written. Better than a lot of people give him credit for. I think but, it faltered like, a bit towards. There the was end. some points where it they could have done better.
2: it better. It's stuff like that. Like I yeah. think,
1: yeah, I, I, I've said, I've spoken my piece. No, I yeah,
2: I, I think, I think we're in agreement on that one. I think, um, I think, and again, I personally like because I think it could have been written a lot better and marketed a bit better. But I just, that's just my two cents. And I mean, look, if they co- and uh, you know, I think Brie Larson, terrific actor, Room or wait, The Room. I can't remember it's which the one. The Room. It is. Is, is it The Room? Yes. Like she's great, great yes. movie. I recommend oh, yeah. everybody see this once. Awesome. But, like it just didn't stick the landing for me the time that I saw it. Of course, I also saw it for a school project in a classroom at five in the afternoon on a Wednesday, so and it wasn't ideal.
1: Here's here's one more thing I want to say before we go to the yeah. next news. So if you want to write a strong female character, awesome. I I'm with you. I will help you. But if you write it, write a strong female character with flaws as well that aren't like
2: flaws like oh. Like, I, I the, like think, the, the key is, I think, I think, Diz, I think what you're trying to say, if I may, is that just write all characters oh, like no, you I write gotta, them. Don't write listen, a female character is. specifically. Just write them like they're a strong male character. Just write them like a character. That's what we're supposed to, I think. You yes. know what I'm trying to say? Well, look, if you want to make them overpowered, that's cool. I guess I'm okay with that. But if you want to make
1: them more like dynamic, it's even better. People are going to love yeah. you more for it. Yeah. Dude.
2: And I, and I think, you know, you've seen that with, I think, one of the like, uh, bigger female characters in the past, you know, you got Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver in Alien, who was the lead character in a big sci-fi action series, which was never, not really before seen. And she was great. She also wasn't perfect either because the Xenomorphs kind of whooped her around a couple times. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not ideal. And again, great series and great performance there, but I think that's sort of what I would say a bit of a template maybe. Or even like, you know, you go Sarah Connor from the Terminator series as well, if I may. I think that's, or of course... I mean, you go to the most iconic one of all. Recently, is Princess Leia. You know, I mean, those are—I mean, those are the three big ones from that time period. And I think now it's—I think—I think some people would like them to. Ca- I personally would like more characters like those three because I think those were flawed but also very powerful, very strong characters that had their own role in the films and were not just sidelined like a lot of characters have been in the past, unfortunately. I think—I don't know. It's an odd issue. And I think I think it. What there's
1: there's we're, I'm just not even talking about superheroes right now. You just talk about Sigourney Weaver. She's not a superhero. No, I mean, no. she kind of is. No, no, I, I was just no, about, no yeah. I'm yeah. just going to my point. And I think there are a lot of strongly written female characters. Dude. Like we're gonna talk about one here in a little bit. Cleo from Roma. Oh yeah, sure, that's true. Amazingly written that's female true. character. That's true. that's true. That's true. So yeah, I mean, I, like I don't know where I was really gonna go yeah. go with that. I mean, love female characters. It's awesome to see them represented. I love Dude. to see some movies. I like, so here's the thing. I figured out why I like, I like, I like, why I like foreign movies. We'll get into this a little bit later. Not only foreign movies, but like, I like movies that teach me about things I wouldn't otherwise know. Hmm. Like, I like to watch movies about, like, Moonlight. Love that movie. Teaches me about a lot of stuff. We can get into that another time. For another episode, possibly. Yes. Moonlight's an amazing movie. Watch that if you have not already. Roma. Alex has not seen Moonlight. Sorry. His mouth. My bad. Roma, uh Doloy Gloria or Pain and Glory. We're gonna we're gonna call it that from now on throughout the episode. Uh so many movies I love to love to watch. It just give me an insight into things I wouldn't un- otherwise understand. That's what I really love movies for. Same with books. I little more into movies because books are expensive. I mean, like I get I can rent them from the library. I just like to I like to be able to hold them for a while.
2: That's fair. That's fair.
1: But like that's why I like movies. That's why I'd love to be able to see more strong. Fi- There's a lot of strong female characters, like I said, but more of them, like more Indeed. mainstream ones. Indeed. Like I don't think we should be we ha- we should have to search for these these indie movies that have these strong amazing female characters. I mean, I mean, fair point. I think it's like, also getting better. I would. Yeah, say. yeah. Like three billboards a few years ago. Francis McDormand and in Nomadland this year. I'm pretty sure I've not seen yeah. that yet. We're going to next we month. We, we have will. an Oscar. Yeah, we episode. have an Oscar
0: episode coming up. Uh, Eleven movies. It's gonna be crazy.
1: But um, maybe thirteen. If Alex. Well is now, crazy. well now, we're, we're one step at a time nowadays. But yeah, I mean, so I I hope that not even just female characters, just characters all around. Yeah, exactly. I think we're we're getting better as a, as a, as a, uh, as a nation? Not as a nation, just as a culture, I guess. Cult- culture feels more accurate. Yeah, uh, culture I don't know why I I was feels more accurate. J- just having, j- better representation of I strong agree. characters. I agree.
2: I think we're getting there and I hope we get like, indeed, almost, we're almost there. Indeed. And now on to some more news, we still got quite a bit to be honest. Uh, so Brad Pitt has done ninety-five percent of his own stunts on the upcoming Bullet Train movie. I did not know that. This was a. Th- I didn't either. <laughs> it's the guy that directed John
1: Wick three Ooh. and Deadpool two. Well, that's exciting. Something like that. It said it was a really
2: weird. Se- Let me find the sentence.
1: I'm gonna you, while you go to the next thing. I'm gonna bring up the sentence.
2: So then also, uh, Ghost of Toshima movie in the works with direct with director of John Wick who it will be leaving that project to direct this one instead. Actually, so that's pretty crazy and. That's one of the more popular games in the past year or so with its uh, just also PlayStation exclusive, unfortunately, so I haven't been able to play it. But it's just a really uh, cool game based on what I've seen. I think the movie will be as cool as well. And then Black Adam cast Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Davis, I want to ask you about that in a second. So did you find your... I did.
1: Okay. Listen to this sentence. I read the sentence like four times before I understood what it was saying. Brad Pitt reportedly did most of his own stunts on John Wick, At- Atomic Blonde, and Deadpool 2 director David Leitch's upcoming Bullet Train movie. I get what it's saying now that I've read it, but at first I was like, Brad Pitt's not in John Wick, Atomic Blonde. He's in Deadpool 2, and he's in there for one scene. So I was like, I'm so confused, but it's what it's trying to say is that it's describing that guy's
2: movies, but they could have fixed that sentence. I agree, sentence. I agree. As a journalism major, I can say that. that oh, yeah, been, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Of course, of course. You, um, <laughs> so, Davis, are you familiar with the character of Dr. Fate at all? I'm a little bit familiar with him. So well, well, what, what do you know about Dr. Fate, then? Dr. Fate's... I'm
1: pulling him up because, like, yeah. I know him from. He's in the Injustice game. I'm
2: pretty. That's he's in, correct. He's in Injustice too. He does too. His, He
1: does like. He kind of. He's kind of like the Doctor Strange of the DC,
2: but not really, because he came first. He did come first, but uh. So I personally am really excited about this because I've got to know the Doctor Fade character from the TV shows I've watched in the past, uh, where he's heavily featured character, and Pierce Brosnan I think is a great casting. So what? Who Doctor Fade is? Is Doctor Fade is? I got it right here. If you'd like me to in this, read it. well. It probably is more accurate, I guess, but I was going to... But he's basically like... Yeah, you got it. Go so ahead. So, basically, uh, Dr. Fate is the name given to the overall hero, but what it all is is this gold helmet that possesses the power of the Lord of Order, Nabu, And whoever puts on the helmet is then possessed by Nabu and is only released from the helmet when Nabu allows them to be released. So it creates a lot of interesting dynamics of, you know people putting on the helmet one time because they need the power of Dr. Fate, but then um, Nabu doesn't release people, which has actually created a lot of cool plot lines that I've seen involving that. So that's who the character's at its core, and Pierce Brosnan will be playing... um
1: I fight against guess, Kent Nelson. Yes,
2: yes, exactly. Pro- probably playing Kent Nelson, the traditional uh, habitor of the F- Helmet of Fate, and it's just a really cool character. He has a lot of he's just really cool powers and... Honestly, the whole helmet to person dynamic is unique. You don't, you don't really see a lot of people possessed by their like you know that's like a Bruce Banner type thing, but in a different level. And I'm excited for it. I don't know if you are, but honestly, I, yeah, think, I, like the Bla- I think the
1: Black Adam movie is gonna be cool. It has it, it has a lot going
2: for it. Yeah, and if it
1: if they bring a Shazam, Shazam's awesome movie. Indeed, indeed. I think I can think of you. Check out the Doctor Fate and Justice introduction. So cool. Indeed.
2: Like he does it. His he does yeah, his powers. And exactly. So cool, so cool, and a very cool costume. I hope I yes. hope they can bring that uh, co- costume. It's pretty, accurate. I feel like it's pretty easy. Just like well, a I gold mean, helmet, gold. I mean, tape. Yeah, but you know, movies be doing things differently. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um Ron Livingston will replace Billy Crudup as, as Flash's dad in the new Flash movie. That's because uh the original actor has scheduling conflicts, which I'm I'm sad about because he and Ezra Miller had some chemistry in that Justice League film. I think it was yes. uh, definitely would have been a good casting. Ron Livingston. Office Space and Band of Brothers. He's mostly. very good in Band of Brothers. I don't know if you've seen that show, but I'm he's not. very, very good in that. So well, I, think be, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. I don't think it'll be as near as good as Billy Crudup. but it I think Ron looks li- like Billy Crudup up a little bit. So they might be able to be like,
1: I got plastic surgery in jail. I got beat up really bad. I think they'll have I don't know how they're gonna do it. We'll they probably see. just won't address it. We'll see. Or if they address it, it'll be like how Marvel or Iron Man Two did. He was like, I'm here,
2: shut up about it, Tony. So it uh Yeah, Barry that did. that was that was that was the best intro line for a new casting ever. Um, but yeah. Also, never before seen version of Scott Pilgrim versus the World coming to theaters. That's exciting. I have no idea what's never before. Seen. I'm, I'm guessing extended scenes or something. Clearly. And speaking of extended stuff, Zack Snyder. We got a couple things about the Snyder Cut. He said Snyder Cut was not enough movie for a Superman story. What does that mean? What What? Do you, read it again, Alex. What you, uh, babies, so he, he was just down it that, out, Alex. He was just what what? Davis, you wrote it down. What does it mean? What do you think it means? It says so it in the sentence. So does it just mean that he didn't feel like that was enough to complete the Superman story
0: and yes. that he wants to
1: continue he, it? He, okay. He, I don't know how long he went. I didn't read the article because the screen probably would probably been like one sentence. Mm-hmm. They're they about headlines. They are kind of like people.
2: That's what I'm saying. Anyway. I was just thinking about People Magazine oh my for Lord. a second. He but I, I
1: think he, I think he's implying that if he had more time... Or if he was allowed to, he would have made a longer movie for Superman's story to be finished. Just split it in half then, bro. I think that's, I guess that's what he's implying. Or like He wish he, he could have made a long, I guess a five, four and a half hour movie to yeah. finish Superman's story. I'm not sure what else he would have done with it. I'm pretty sure he could have figured something out. But maybe more time in the talking to Jor-El or whatever.
2: I'm not really sure. Indeed. And uh, Zack Snyder also says that Warner Brothers hated BVS and wanted him to separate Justice League from it. That That's being,
1: funny because I remember hearing the stories about after BBS was screened, everybody stood up and gave it a standing
2: ovation. Well, yeah, I'm sure they hated the public's reaction more than their own. That's fair. And then, lastly, Warner Media's CEO Ann Sarnoff did an interview on the Justice League and the future of the DCEU with Variety, and she said, quote, in response to... um." Feeling she needs to strike a balance between being responsive to fans and charting your own course as a company, she said this. We're always going to listen to our fans. We are in service of this broadest of the broadest fan base, and we owe them an integrated, holistic strategy. We are the shepherds of the franchise, and hopefully, when the fans see what we've got in store, they'll know that DC is in good hands across many platforms, many different creators. Now, if I may, go on a tangent for a few minutes on this particular piece of news because Good good Lord. I mean, what there there's so many stupid things going on in this whole interview, by the way, because Davis, I'm not sure if you're familiar with things going on behind the scenes at uh, at DC and Warner Brothers right now, but let me break it down for you. First of all, DC, Warner Brothers is actually owned by AT&T, so AT and, and Sarnoff does not have the final say on anything DC does, that's at and CEO, for one, and... She speaks about the broadest fan base possible. But I don't know if you noticed, David, yesterday the hashtag RestoreTheSniderverse got 1.5 million tweets in 24 hours. And HBO Max's official account also tweeted Restore, hashtag RestoreTheSniderverse as well. So there's that. Not to mention a holistic strategy and Shepherds of the Franchise. What exactly is the strategy that has been put forth with the DCEU so far? 'Cause I couldn't tell you what's
1: well, going on. Well their strategy is just to have one off stories until they can figure it out, it seems. But they haven't figured it
0: out
2: yet. and
1: they That's what I'm saying. On. That's they're gonna have the Batman with Robert Pattinson and he's probably never gonna show up again for another DC movie. Exactly.
2: And they and they don't have a plan. And then Michael Keaton's in the new Flash movie, apparently. But Michael Keaton said he's not even sure if he's gonna be in it. He said that What's he gonna be in it? He's okay. gonna be his his version of Batman. Yep, yep, yep. Just just That's... keep going. Um and then also, of course, there's, you know, holistic strategy and being the shepherds of the franchise. Meanwhile, she's also backed Walter Hamada, who has basically been attacked by Ray Fisher for his treatment of him by him. Like, that's Ray Fisher's, like, three, or, like, Jeff Johns, Walter Hamada, and others that involved that handled the Justice League and the Snyder Cut and Ray Fisher's character. So I just, like, I feel like, you know, You could have made that statement about the broadest fan base after Batman vs. Superman, but right now, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of negative thoughts on the Snyder Cut. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's mostly majority positive. People like the movie. Not everybody loves the movie, but most people are like, it was good, it was better than 2017, and it's a step forward. And it also has people intrigued about the future. The nightmare scene at the end has got me intrigued. Martian Manhunter has got me intrigued. It should have been Jon Stewart. Exactly! Did you see that someone, apparently some fans edited
1: in uh, Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern into it? Oh, good lord. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, my. Better pull it up while you talk.
2: But I just, like, this is just, it seems almost tone deaf to what's happening, because it's been the most talked about thing for the last week, you know? And people are bringing up the numbers of how um, Snyder Cut's actually doing less streams than Wonder Woman did in, uh, in its opening weekend. And I, I have a question about that. Here's a thought, Davis. Couldn't you physically do less streams of a four-hour movie than a two-hour and 30-minute movie? Like, if I wanted to watch a movie back-to-back, it would take me more time to watch it twice. Also, not to mention, HBO Max had initial free trials for people that have probably ran out, so there's less subscribers, because for me, in my case, we uh, got it through DirecTV, and after three months with it from DirecTV, you actually have to start paying for it, and then HBO Max just upped their price to $25 a month, apparently, so there's that. But... I just, I feel like this is just, there's not many people that are saying, yes, go in another direction. I feel like after Justice League, people want to see it go forward. I think everybody wants to see Henry Cavill as Superman. I you think can... Henry Cavill wants to see Henry Cavill as Superman. I agree, and I think he should because he's great. He really is. I hope.
1: Look, I, I've been a Ben Affleck hater in the past. I don't hate Ben Affleck. I just think Casey's the much better actor.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, you said every, that time, last... every time I mention the I, Affleck I brothers, I have to say I, it. I, I mean, you, you clearly have to.
1: But here's the thing. Ben Affleck ha- needs to come back as Batman. If they can't, if they cannot get him back, I don't see where they where they yeah. go at all. And I think, them, it, look, I think him or Henry. Them him or Henry Cavill. I think of course. You, I
2: think if if he doesn't, you can flashpoint your way out of it, and I'm fine with that. They could do that with Superman as well, I guess. No, but they shouldn't. Affleck, well, they shouldn't with either of them.
1: Yeah, but they could bring in they could bring in the dad from Supernatural to be Thomas Wayne as Superman. I, don't, I would not know. Like it was going to be Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It yes should have been Jeffrey. Right. That would have been well, that's awesome. going to be him, they're going to do the Flashpoint. I hope so. I'm pretty sure he's I, in it.
2: I think if Affleck wants out, you get Zack Snyder, to because Affleck offered to do the Nightmare scene for free, by the way. I don't know if you heard about that. Hmm. He offered to do the whole scene for free, free of charge, no, like no salary whatsoever. So I think you get him to come back for one opening scene at the beginning of the Flash movie, then have Barry Flash pointed away and change Batman, but keep going with, the Flash, with Cyborg, with Henry Cavill as Superman. I think that's fine. I just think you need to go forward with the story of facing Darkseid because, you know, JP was watching Endgame in, uh, in uh, the bullpen earlier. What? Eight hours
1: ago, news from... Uh-oh. We got this covered. Ben Affleck is reportedly eager to play Batman again. However, there's a caveat. There's another article. Ben Affleck is reportedly only wants to return as Batman if Zack Snyder is
2: involved. Told you. I told you because when I read the story that he offered to do the Nightmare scene for free, that was a tell to me of some kind. Because, you know, who's he coming back for? He's not coming back for DC. Honestly, he may not be coming back for the fans because the fans have been rather brutal, the majority of them. The Snyder Cut fans have been supportive for a while. We talk about raising all that money. There's also a toxic side of them as well, but that's a whole other thing thing we could talk about another time. But they were kind I of the laughing stock of the DC fandom for a
1: long time <laughs> until, until were there was right. actually until they were uh yeah. what's the word? vindicated? Not vent, that's not the right word. It has like an ikated sound. You talk, I'll I'll figure it what,
2: out. What Nora? I don't know. You keep talking I'm trying, but like I think, you know, that makes sense and I think again if he want's out, flashpoint him out. But I like this cast of characters so far and I want as I was saying, after J.P. was watching Endgame, you know what I thought when I saw that happen, when I saw the big three so walk up th- Ah, yes. When I saw the big three at the end of Endgame walk for Thanos, I thought, man, how cool would it be to see Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman walk up and face Darkseid? I mean, come on.
1: Here's the thing. I got an idea. Oh? If, idea. if Ben Affleck gives him, like, an ultimatum or whatever, yeah. or yeah. he's like, I- I'm only going to do one or two more movies, yeah. and then they're going to have to get rid of him. They should do the Dark Knight Returns. Ah, oh, they can't though,
2: cause they already had- they, are, they oh. already faced each other. They can't I know
1: it that would have been cool though to have that all happen. Get the new Robin and then him I think, fake his death at the end. I think I think if,
2: I think yes, yeah, but I think if you get him back, you try and get him to do two movies, and you you finally do how Robin died, cause that's been hinted at, and that was also in the nightmare scene. The why'd you la- let a boy wonder do a man's job? That was oh, that dude. line was so cool. I think that I think you do that, and then. You come into Flashpoint and like his character's kind of tied off because he's haunted by that story still, something like that. I think that'd be cool, and I think that's what because I think that would sell. Batman is a character that has always sold in the box office. You can't oversaturate the Batman market. You legitimately can't. Well, they could also they could also have Darkseid kill him with the Omega beams. Like, also true. But then again, I also want to see him dodge the Omega beams because that's like a thing, like in the comics and also in the TV show. He's the only guy. But anyway, that's a lot of DC lore. Um. Davis, are you finally ready to get into what all the people are probably here for? See, si. oh, wow. Th- guys, that means yes. I, my wow. my two wow. my two semesters of Spanish at Auburn University. Has it's me crazy that. how Alex has taken more semesters of Spanish than
1: I have in my entire life, or like more hours of Spanish class, like a formal Spanish class. And I, I know still know nothing more than him.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. yes, indeed. All right, Davis. How about we start off with Roma because Roma came first, 2018, and then go to sure. Pain and Glory. So, Davis, you you take us away on this, okay, one, if you okay. don't mind.
1: Roma is the 2018 movie directed by Alfonso Curion. Famously uh, for, uh, most people know him from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, also directed Gravity, and one of my personal favorites, Children of Men.
2: Ah, that one is, yes, those three.
1: There was, like, one, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump, because it, it's on my mind. I was watching Roma last night. Was last night? Yeah, it was last night. And there was the scene where they're having the, the student riots, which actually happened. It was called, like, the Oko
2: Massacre. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Uh, so, like, the s- training kids to be, like, to train them to do Kung Fu just to weaponize them against the protest was, like, an actual thing?
1: I, I'm not – probably. I wouldn't be surprised about that. But I'm talking about uh, – Particularly the riot itself. Yes. The riots, they actually happened around the same time. Uh, the Tlateloco wait. Tlateloco Massacre. It's when they just started open fire on students protesting, basically. I'm pretty sure that's what it was depicting in that. Yeah. But you saw once the fire once the the shots started being fired and when they were trying to get Cleo away you saw the mother holding her son or, or I guess a girlfriend holding her son. That's literally that is In Children of Men if you remember. You're right. Oh my gosh. They and it's the same tracking scene as they're walking through the street and there's and if you think about it I'm not sure how intentional this was but that the way they get out in that In Children of Men is they have a child. And they get out of it, and Cleo is pregnant, and she goes through it. Alfonso. I feel like that wow. that can't have not been that had. I mean, that's got
2: that's or you know, it's a shot that Alfonso did one time, and he really loved well, it. Uh, like, uh, well, the, the
1: the one part that you could say all the other else, else was but the one part that I was like okay, that is literally Children of Men was when they were it was yeah. holding the like the dead guy. I, I assume it was either her boyfriend or her brother, her son, whatever it was. That was literally from Children of Men. It's supposed to be like the
2: Madonna. Yeah, yeah, they no that's no, not it's not called the Madonna, is it? I thought no, it's it was called the it's called the um uh hold up. I thought it was the Madonna. No, it's called uh Oh the Pieta. Yeah, the Pieta, yeah. Really cool statue, by the way. It's a great um, statue. Indeed. But Michelangelo didn't miss. I'm about to say he, he don't miss, bro. He didn't, he doesn't do Any it. He had the Sistine Chapel? I mean, you know. He didn't he did he make David? Yeah. Gosh, that guy didn't miss. I about to say dude did not miss. He's anyway. a lonely guy, though. That's true. That's what I've heard, yes. Very sad. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> anyway, um, so Davis, talk about Roma. Come on now. So Roma,
1: it is set in Mexico City in the 70s, and it follows a del- domestic worker working for a- Named Cleo. A- named Cleo. I was going to say that after. Oh, sorry. Working for a pretty well-off family in Mexico, but that family's having some issues within, and Cleo's having her own issues, and it's kind of a colliding of worlds. A lot happens. We'll kind of go over the plot in a minute. But this movie, I've read articles about it. I've seen stories about it, but I cannot find any. So maybe I made, like, Mandela affected it. Oh. Is that Alfonso Curion kind of based this off of his life in Mexico City.
2: I thought I read an article on that, too, and I haven't seen the movie before today.
1: I, I'm, hmm. like, I'm like 99% sure that happened. But when I looked it up, I could not find, like, any articles really quick. I, I'm pretty sure, like, it's not, obviously it's not about him, because he's not a 20-something domestic worker, or he was not when in the 70s. But he grew up in Mexico City. And I think it's basically he's telling the stories of domestic workers that he saw working in Mexico uh, yep, City. I found world. it. Okay, um, good. It I is, didn't make it up.
2: What is Roma about? The article says, uh, and then the title says, wait, hold on, hold on. What? Go back, go back. What the? Is inspired by Curan's own life and experiences.
1: And this is a very real movie. Yeah. It's they, a very, like, indeed. It's,
2: it's a pretty slow movie. And I get a lot I'll of people... It's, it's not very cinematic in a word. Like, it's not, you know, it's not a big... Like, it's not a movie movie. It's not like, you know... There's not, like, a lot of big events that happen, which is something I think you'll find in common with a lot of There's probably
1: films. three... Mm, I'll, I'll say four th- big events in the yeah. movie.
2: I would say the movie doesn't pick up until about maybe an hour in, to be honest. And that's,
1: that's, that's a big turnoff for a lot of people, along with it being a foreign language movie. It's actually in mixed tech. It is not in... Well, it, it's a dialect of like uh, it, southwestern tr- south yeah. or south Mexico.
2: It's not your traditional Spanish. It's not yeah, the Spanish like, you learn in the classroom.
1: I'm sure Alex, too, and I'm sure people that speak a lot more Spanish than either of us can pick up quite a, a little bit. But there, it's enough that like it's hard to understand. And the thing is there's like I was reading about it. Mixed Tech is not actually just one language. It's just a ton of different dialects in one area. And there's like maybe like 15, 16 dialects. And like if you're like – Roma is name of basically the county that yep. they're in. I don't think it's called a county. What's it called?
0: What province. A province. I think it's a province. Province. Is so like word. provinces
1: beside each other can pretty much understand each other's mixed tech. but like if provinces are on like like four or five apart, they have like they can't communicate. With yeah, them. I was reading about. It. it was really interesting. I'm a big language nut. can not figure that out,
2: pretty big one. I like to
1: learn about. It. I was doing what a. La- I was doing my language project during from the bench.
2: Oh, Lord, don't I was making a me. meme up for it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was truly amazing. It anyway. Wa- that was a good meme. Davis, Come on. stay on it's the movie. It's a monkey getting a haircut. I know. I know. I know. You want to read it? What? You want me to no, read No, don't meme? read We're talking okay. about the movies, Davis. Come on. Okay, okay, okay.
1: So, yeah, Roma follows Cleo. Uh, Who was a- depicted by indigenous actress, Yalissa Aparicio. That was her first movie ever. She's pretty good. She had never acted before that either. She's like, formal. Very- they just casted her and she was amazing. And I, I named one other actor. Like the only other really big actor was the mom. Sophia ma- played my yeah. Mar- Marina de Taviera, who was nominated for an Oscar along with Yelitza herself was nominated for Best Actress. Uh, but yeah, I feel like those are probably the two biggest characters besides Furman, who was not in
0: it that
2: long. Who was the? W- I hate that guy. That's the point you're supposed to. Yeah, hate spoiler him. guys,
1: he's the worst character ever, and I hate him. Supposed to. Well, he basically. Spoiler alert, you should watch this movie 100%, yeah. but we're about Spoiler to get into yeah. the plot. we to get into the spoilers. So Cleo basically starts dating this guy, I guess you say Fermin, who's friends with, or who's cousins to the guy that one of her friends who also works with her yeah. is dating. Uh, he gets her pregnant, and then he just ditches her.
2: In a movie theater, which I also thought was weird because like, he's like, oh, it's good, right? And then he just got up and left, and I was like, what? It's kinda he's like also
1: Wip-lash. really into, like, uh martial arts
2: which has also has a really odd scene that my friend uh Zelda I told her we were watching the movie for this week and she talked about that scene. It's a
1: very strange scene. It's yeah, he dances wearing nothing. I mean it makes well, not it makes sense yeah. thematically why it's there. I get it. I do.
2: It was just it's jarring. Yes, you don't expect it. Indeed. Uh <sighs> But yeah, so the movie essentially, you know, it's following Cleo's you know, day in the life, working with his family, taking the kids to school, hanging out with the kids. With
1: the family having marital troubles. That's them true. Themselves.
2: That's true, because the, uh, the father is, you know... You, Antonio's his name. Ex- Antonio, that was right. Um, You get a bad feeling. You, you get a... Yeah, I don't know. You get a bad feeling, although the scene when he's driving the car in is really funny. Like, just the, the dramatic, like, park, break, go back again. I thought that was, like, kind of complicated. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. But, yeah, they're having problems, and you can get a sense of that, especially when he goes on a work trip and... The wife whose name I cannot remember. What's Sophia. the character? Sophia. Right. Thank you. Sophia is like very reluctant to let him go, and is like, "I'm. We're always right here." And I'm like, "What?" So yeah, uh, yeah. He basically abandons his family and is cheating on his wife a lot. So that's not great. So yeah, while that's happening in the background, Cleo is uh, eventually picks up when she fi- figures out that she's pregnant. Like that's when her story I feel like really begins, if if I may. And then it's basically her. Worrying about telling the family, telling Sophia. Sophia actually tried to be fine with it. But I was worried about that. I was like, please don't be mad. Just like be supportive. And she was. So that was cool. Um and then it's, you know, Cleo continuing to do her work as she gets ready for that, going to see for men at this uh like training like park where like him and a bunch of other kids or not kids, like men are doing kung fu with this instructor and like there's they're wearing like military type uh, garb, some of them are, so it's kinda odd and then she goes to see him and he loses it and it's i'm not going to repeat what he said cuz he said a lot of bad things but yeah he basically calls her a servant and that like the child cannot be his and that she or he would like attack her if she claimed it again which was awful and then you know then she and the grandmother are shopping go go for a go, crib yeah shopping for a crib and that's when the riots happened which is a crate like the screaming and the people running was a crazy it looked like world war z I was like what is happening <laughs> you know every time every time every okay. time you see someone running you know, every time, oh my god no, it's, it's world war z it's my mom says that every single time and it's just like ingrained in me um she loves that movie but then some of the uh People that were attacking the uh, protesters to actually like go into the building chase someone in there and they shoot the first. It's like crazy because it's escalated so fast. And then for men's actually there and is pointing a gun at Cleo and you're like, oh my god, at my Cleo's gosh. stomach. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. It was at her stomach. I forgot about that. And then like that, her water breaks and um,
1: they have to get to the hospital, but it's it's locked. And then that's the what follows is probably the most heart one of the most heartbreaking scenes I've ever seen. It's Cleo's baby. Is birthed, or it, yeah, Still stillborn is the word, stillborn. Yeah, it's really hard to Indeed. watch. That scene makes me cry every time. I'll admit it. I'm not it, it's fair every time, like it, that is an, one of the scenes that actually makes me like actual tears run.
2: It's 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 intense, it really is. Like, I was like, what is like it, it just you know, the I think part of the reason that it may do that is because you know. The movie's following her day in the life, so it's it's rather mellow the whole way. You know, it's like it's not there's not a lot of big well, look, time dramatic cinematic scene. And then that ramps it up to an eleven, in a good way. And I think that's part of it. Look, you, you, you I, get,
1: I wouldn't say you identify with. I can't identify with her yeah. as much as other people could, of course. Yeah, but like you, you sympathize with her a lot. You really like Cleo. She seems really nice. The family really loves her. She takes care of these kids like they're her children.
2: Indeed, indeed, you do get a lot of cool, a lot of very like intimate scenes with each of the children, which is really great for building up that relationship. I would agree.
1: And it's just the shot that she—it does not the shot—the shot does not move for like, I feel like five. It felt like eternity, but like five. Oh my minutes. gosh, was. You I can was see like the baby. You can see the baby out of focus in the background. They're trying to resuscitate it. It's hard to watch. And then Cleo, it and like the doctors asking her questions that she can't answer because. She's, like, freaking out. It's really, really hard to watch. Indeed. Indeed.
2: And, you know, honestly, like, I think, you know, it just, yeah, I mean, there's there's not really much else to say than that, and that's just, it's, that's like the climax of the story because then the afterwards is Cleo trying to handle it, which she hasn't, because one of the uh, kids' remarks that she's gone mute. And also in the background of all this, you know, the mother is currently cracking under all the pressure of supporting her family and her children while her husband is off, and you actually see uh, her husband running around downtown with a girl, and you're like, wait a minute, she said Antonio, that's him. And then, like, one of the kids is like, that was your dad. And, and then the kid's like, insisting, no, it couldn't have been. And then it culminates with a family trip that we later learn, which uh, Sophia invites Cleo on and says, Cleo cannot work, and she's invited on because you've seen Cleo really become part of this family because Sophia did lash out at her a few times, but it's clear that. She's been able to lean on Cleo during the rather difficult time, and that shows in just their dynamic shifting, and this culminates with Sophia inviting her. And then at this trip, Sophia reveals that they actually left so the dad could take all of his stuff, whatever he deemed his stuff, which had not know him because I was like, how dare you let him just take whatever? He don't deserve that nonsense, but you know. And then this crazy scene with the water that just, was like so I just didn't expect it and then I was like oh two kids are drowning and Cleo who mentions multiple times she cannot swim goes to the actress could swim either. Oh what? Okay. Alfonso got to chill. That's whoa, now. That's that's a great scene too. I like And that's that's
1: before it ends. That's that's where you get the shot for the the poster which is a great poster. I love that poster where they're all embracing together. And that's where she makes like a admission that she didn't want the child. So it's a lot to unpack in this movie. You have to watch it a few times. You have to yeah. really think about what's going on. There's really no ending. There's no like resolution. That's probably the resolution to the movie. Yeah. Then there's another scene. It follows up, then back, and it. Clo- I think she's doing laundry. Yeah, and she just walks
2: out of the yeah. frame, and then credits roll. Love that. It was cool. It was I was cool. like, wait a minute, what? Where's the? the is not not your typical film. Good movie. I liked it. I it was not as engaging in the first, you know, 45 to an hour which i wish it would have been more engaging at the beginning. I understood it was it was setting up and i think the last hour and 15 are unbelievably good. Like that's just that is some of the top tier filmmaking that i've seen. That last hour and 15 cuz so much goes on, so much to unpack. I just wish it would have been a bit more engaging for me at the beginning of it, but i still really really like it. And i also think Davis, you you got a it sounds like you got a little bone to pick with uh, a little best picture nomination. You, so you. Like, here's the thing. Yeah, I hey, don't like again. the Oscars as it is. Not many people do. Hey, we're doing an Oscar episode anyway. We are doing an Oscar episode. Just to be disappointed with the results. And here's the, the thing: it. the
1: Academy Awards are the most prestigious awards there are, and that's a shame because they are the worst at picking who should win. Because they have people have a uh, they have uh, uh, deals with people. They're like, oh, this person's acted for a long time. They never got an Oscar, so we're going to give this person an Oscar instead of the person actually needs it. Or they'll just choose a bad movie like Green Book. One best picture in 2018, and against Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, the favorite, which I've not seen, Roma, A Star Is Born, and Vice, which that's not that strong of a list. I wouldn't say that's the strongest ever,
2: but Roma blows
1: all those out of the yeah, water.
2: Yeah, no, I haven't. Like, I haven't actually seen Green Book. I only know what I've Green heard. Green Book, I, I've heard it's 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 okay, but it has.
1: I I've kind of I've been protesting myself because I've heard that. Well you gotta watch it anyway, just you can know. Well here's the thing. So I've heard that it itself is kind of like a white savior movie. No, yeah, I I've I've heard that as well. Which I mean, like I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna make eventually I'm gonna get around to it. But like I just I, I'm not I'm not like looking forward to it. I'm not gonna be like, I need to see this movie. So
2: Alex, what are you doing over there? Uh sorry, I'm uh try what the
1: But but the point still stands, as good as Green Book is, Roma blows it out of the water. A hundred percent. I agree.
2: I, I think it, it, I mean, it's it's it checks all the boxes. I don't and even you could know say, how it didn't win. you could say Roma is Oscar bait, black and white, uh, yeah, I,
1: slow, somber, but it's still, even if it is Oscar bait, if that's you want to make a, that case. But that
2: is not a strong group of Best Picture nominees yes. at all. Because honestly, you know, I don't know. 2018 wasn't that strong of a year. I don't know if Vice deserved to be nominated. I don't know if Black Panther deserved to be nominated, in my personal opinion, in terms of what I've seen Best Picture nominees been in the past. Bohemian Rhapsody either. Those are three movies that I wouldn't even really... Think about it. If
1: Beale Street could talk, uh, that that was uh, another movie that came out that year that I think should have been
2: nominated. Same with Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, but they don't really ever do. Yeah, it, well, once they once they create the animated it. feature uh, category, they're not going to really re- yeah. recognize animated films unless they're there, like. There was a lot shattering. of great movies in 2018,
1: like Capernaum. I've heard is really good. I've been planning to watch that. That is a movie from Lebanon. I'm gonna check some other movies that came out. Aquaman, uh-oh. <laughs> but I mean, like, apparently it, it didn't seem to be that strong of a year for movies. The fact that I'm on IMDb and Roma was not the first three movies I was listed, it's kind of a, it's kind of crazy. But the thing is, Roma was only nominated for, let's see how many it was, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Director. No, it was not. Oh, wait, wrong one. It, the only thing it won for was best foreign language film and best director, and also best cinematography, I believe. So, three things. But uh, uh, Yelitsa Aparicio lost for best actress, uh, which she definitely should have won, I think, compared to Olivia Coleman from The Favorite, Lady Gaga from A Star is Born, Melissa McCarthy from Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Glenn Close from The Wife. I think Yelitsa definitely should have won that. And best supporting actress was the mom that the uh lady that played the mom Sophia. against Regina King and if Beale Street would could talk, which I think that she should have won that. That was a great movie. She did great in that movie. But I think this movie got snuffed for Best Picture. Yeah,
2: I would agree based on the nominees at hand. Uh I, I would agree on that. I this mean, was the first movie that the director that ever that the
1: it won Best Director and Best Cinematography.
0: Really? Well, I mean it's got some great well, because cinematography. Because
1: it yeah. was the same guy that is. Yeah. It's not that the first movie ever, but it's the first guy that's one, too, because Alfonso Cuarón directed uh, he, and did the cinematography. Nice.
2: But, yeah, this is a great movie, guys. We spoiled it, but go ahead and watch it anyway. Cause hey, if my mom's listening to this, she likes spoilers. It, in this ca- in this case, the spoilers, I mean, you know, I don't know if the plot's the real draw of this film. It's really just the, the cinematic value of it and just the, I, again, I, I wish it was more engaging, and I understand it, some people will, but I think it's just a movie you should go see anyway because I think it's worth it. I think it uh especially the last hour and fifteen really makes it worth it. So I'd recommend going and see that. Now, Dave, so you ready to get into the other one? You got anything more to say on Roma? I, I'm good on Roma. Check it out. It's awesome. It's great. It's and great next, movie. Pain and Glory or Delori Gloria, as also it's officially titled, titled That when is when you his start name, the movie. Yes. Um I had to watch on Amazon and spoiler alert, obviously in effect by this. The star Antonio Banderas. So good. I mean this movie I loved it. I really Really Do you like it more than Roma? Yes, I agree, far and away. To be honest, I just found it to be more engaging. I don't know what it was about it that made it such, but I just found it to be more intriguing of a plot. Which the thing is, you know, I can recognize films for what they are. You know, like it's like the Mona Lisa, right? You know the Mona Lisa, Davis?
1: No, I don't, Alex. But like
2: you know, it's in the Louvre. It's like considered you know top tier painting all time. All this nonsense. Like I reckon, I don't. I personally am not gonna look at it for hours and be like, wow, what a painting. But I'll recognize it. I'll look at it. I'll be like, wow. That's cool. That's good. Nice. And I'll do that... I, for some movies, I can do that. Like, Roma, good movie, gr- great movie, honestly. I recognize that. I don't know if I'd watch it again because I find it less engaging. For me, I really like movies that have characters that I can get invested in, a story I can really, you know... The, the phrase, sink my teeth into, seems a bit crude, but that's, like, how I feel and with Pain and Glory and Antonio Banderas' character of Salvador. Salvador we, Mayo. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that just really... I found it to be a lot more engaging. That's what I really, really liked about it. On top of the fact that I just, just everything about it,
1: I'm glad to hear because I love this movie as well.
2: Very good. You you go ahead and take the reins on this one. So as it's well,
1: directed almost. by Pedro Almodovar, who is a very, very famous uh, director in Spain. He's directed a ton of movies. This is like his seventh movie with Antonio Banderas. I'm pretty pretty sure. Really? Like just look him up real quick while you're over there while I'm talking. Just look at some of the movies that him and like just great movies all around. He's I feel like if you were making an argument if I were more well versed on Spanish like uh from Spain Spanish uh film I'm pretty sure a lot of people would agree that uh Pedro Al- Almodovar is probably top 3 director of all time from there like in the Spanish film circle. But uh if you look at what Pedro looks like Alex, you can kind of see a resemblance between him and Antonio Banderas's character. How they dress how I they, see it. Their their style. I see it. And Pedro actually had a back surgery before one of his movies a few years back. So, this is the good lore. So, this movie is loosely based Loose off limb. him. He's not in as much pain as Antonio Banderas is in this movie. He is uh in fact gay and that's that's uh, and Antonio Banderas' character is I just lost him. <laughs> uh Antonio Banderas' character is gay in this movie as well. The okay. movie's kind of like it's kind of focused on that, and it's a I, great part of it.
2: I would I would say this. I would post- say it's focused on it, but that's kind of. I would say the big actually, point. I, I, would, I would give it points for the fact that it's anything but focused on because I think you know you don't really realize it until, um, until you get the big monologue, the my addiction mo- or my addiction monologue. I think before that you don't really yeah like it's not even discussed because it's more about his pain and everything, and then that is like weaved into it as well and adds another layer. Okay, I, yeah. I think one thing the movie does is, you know, a lot of movies will. Throw four or five things at you at once, and then expand upon them as they go. This movie adds layer on top of layer on top of layer as it goes along, because the opening scene, you know, he talks about his movie, which
0: what's the what flavor? That's the that's
2: say bore, yeah, but that's what I could not I I I could not remember the English word for it the entire time, but flavor, (laughs) Um, which I would love to see that. That seems like honestly, indeed, it does. But you know, you open with that, and him trying to talking to the lady and trying to reconcile with um with Alberto and you're like okay this is what's happening right and then you know he he does the internal monologue about the pain and everything he's going through like oh this is a thing too didn't even you didn't even see a hint of that really until now and then you know it at you get the alberto dynamic expanded you get federico you get his mother as well it really just adds more and more as it goes and ties it all up and i think that's one of the things that it really does well i think it really does a great job of progressing the story in a natural form and also doing a lot in a short runtime, only an hour and fifty-three, and it covers a lot of bases. So,
1: but the the character is loosely based off Pedro yeah. Almodovar, but it is not an autobiography at Indeed. all because he is not as much pain. I don't think you. I'm not. I'm not an expert on uh, Mr. Almodovar, so I'm not going to say if he was. I don't think he was addicted to heroin. Like he became like that's true. Antony that that also happens. Maybe back in the day, who knows? But he, there was—I uh, saw an article about Mr. Almodovar was talking about uh, how people think it was like because people have heard that it's kind of based off him. You can you can see the resemblance certainly, yeah. but you can people think that he's as uh, <laughs> as in as much pain as Antonio Banderas' character. So they'll come up to him like really act, treat him really delicately and like they'll they'll be really gentle with him, and he think that's really funny. Uh, overall, I think it's a great movie. Uh, depicts so many things so well. Antonio Banderas knocks it out of the park. I think this is probably his best active movie ever. I think I, I don't it. know.
2: Spy Kids 1 is really uh, good, and, funny, and The Mask fun. of Zorro is a classic. I love so. The Mask of Zorro. He's also in The Skin
1: We Live In was supposed to be really good. I, that that's was a drama Devar
2: movie. I saw that when I looked up his filmography.
1: But depicts uh, relationships really well. Depicts his pain really well. Depicts his addiction really well. Indeed. Uh, depicts his relationship with his mom, with Frederico with Eduardo as well. I guess you could kind of say And Alberto. And Alberto. Yeah, overall love this movie. This is probably my favorite foreign language movie ever. Lahaine. Well. Ooh. I mean, I probably like Lahaine more, honestly. This is my favorite Spanish movie at least, I'll say that. Ah, yes. Well, I mean, it's mine obviously. It's amazing. You should watch it if you can. Like 100%. Do you have anything else you want? Do you want to go through the plot? Or I mean, let's
2: yeah, let's go through it because there's a couple scenes I want to talk about. Because like, just talk about no the pack. scenes you want to because so,
1: we have a big picture we kind of need to get Oh,
2: ah, yeah, that's it. right. That's right. I I nearly, I nearly forgotten. So uh basically this movie follows um our main character Salvador as his movie flavor is being replayed because it's been restored and he it. He meets Alberto again who they've had this whole beef and they have this entire, uh, you know, dynamic because of, Problems they had on the making of the movie, Flavor, because Salvador was the director while Alberto was the actor. And then, you know, you get that. You get the addiction. You get the f- the flashbacks, air quotes, to his uh, his childhood with his mom and with Eduardo and everything like that. And, you know, I just, I think it really just, it just, the plot is so perfectly crafted together because it jumps around without feeling like it jumps around too much. You know, it... Does the flashbacks, does the present day, and covers it all very well. I think the scene where Alberto is reading off the uh My Addiction uh or performing it, I guess oh, is the actor. Love that scene. So good. So good. The actor deserves props to that he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor just for that scene alone, to be honest. He was he was nominated
1: for like other like Golden Globes, I think, but he was not for the Oscars.
2: He should have absolutely gotten best supporting actor nomination, at least for that scene alone. That best scene supporting great.
1: Actor... You want to hear them that year? Brad Pitt won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Date in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes. Al Pacino for The Irishman and Joe Pesci for The Irishman.
2: I haven't seen The Irishman, so I can't say that. But I just know that that one particular scene was spectacular. And, yeah, that, that scene stands out. And not to mention the twist at the end. Oh, my gosh. So the whole time, you know, he there's little flashbacks to his childhood with an old narration. Then the final shot, it's revealed that it's what he's filming, that he's gotten back in the film world to film his child, like a childhood movie or whatever. I lost it. I was not prepared for that. I liked Penelope Cruz's mom, not as an actress playing his mom. It was funny because when his mom showed up, I was like, "Does that look like Penelope Cruz?" That's what I thought. It doesn't matter. Oh my gosh! Great twist. Honestly, one of the coolest was ever because it's not like ra- big ramifications. It's just like ah, gotcha, and also character growth. Because he's, you know, it answers. the successful. Ah, yes, indeed. indeed. But if you think about it, so
1: if you if you see this movie as, excuse me, uh, as an au- semi-autobiography, like slight autobiography of uh, Pedro Almodovar, he's making a movie in which he makes a movie about.
2: Himself making a movie about himself.
1: Yes, that's good.
2: I like it. But yeah, that that was my that my favorite scene was the monologue scene and then the scene at the end. How about you, Davis?
1: My favorite scene. So she asked. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, gosh, I'll probably have to say either the uh, the addiction scene or oh my gosh, this is hard. Uh, maybe the scene, the, also the scene where Federico comes and visits him, amazing scene, greatly acted by both of them. Uh, there's so many great scenes. I'd probably say the the addiction scene, the the when he acts it out, uh, Federico visiting him, and when he's talking to his mom, when he's like, "I'm sorry." If, oh, if who guys. I am is makes me makes you hate me,
2: that hurt. That was very hard to watch. That was tough. That was tough. I also liked uh, the little intricacy of when uh, Federico comes back and uh, Salvador progressively does more shots of alcohol because he's clearly one in pain and also very nervous and also probably not so happy to hear that uh, Federico is married and then not married and then now was another partner. So that was not ideal. And then <laughs> you. The scene the scene then when they say goodbye, like that he's like for all time's sake and they just that that scene in particular, I was like, Ah, oh, they'll just hug it out and say go their separate ways. And then that, that scene was like a bit of like a not not comical ending, but I feel like it was kinda, you know, maybe a bit of a me up because the scene overall is a bit depressing because Salvador's clearly hurting and was clearly hoping for more and that didn't really happen. So at least it ended on a semi positive because they had a good laugh and that was kind of the end of it. But yeah, um, Good movie. That's, I'd say an amazing movie. Indeed. Indeed. I gotta, I gotta get my review on Letterboxd later, but also by the way, uh, go ahead and follow us at, uh, through underscore the underscore lens underscore Weagle on Instagram for following off for any updates. I may post my Letterboxd reviews later this week, uh, and prep and post about movies that we're going to be talking about next Friday as well. Post about anything we have about movies. And you can also go on there and comment any movies you'd like us to discuss in the future. And uh, all episodes can be found in our link tree that is in the bio of that Instagram that takes you to Spotify, Apple Podcast, Transistor, and Weagle options, whichever one you would like to listen to the show best. So, yeah, go ahead and follow along there at through underscore the underscore lens underscore Weagle. A lot of underscores, I know, but, you know, we do what we got to do because apparently Carmelo stole, all, stole our name. Yeah, he so, did. Yeah. that's crazy. I mean, you know, it's whatever. He heard that he heard that I wasn't a big fan of him playing basketball with Portland, so clearly Beautiful. he like had to, Yeah, okay. Right, my fault. But
1: yeah, Pain and Glory, go watch it. Also, one more thing about Pain and Glory. Bring up the Oscars again. This is what makes me mad. It was nominated for two Oscars. Yeah. That is it. Best Actor and Best International Foreign Film. Yeah,
2: it should have got Best Picture. Nomination it, at least. And
1: it lost both of them. Up against in Best National. The, in, the issue is, it was up against Parasite. Ooh. Also up oh, against Corvus Christi, Honeyland, Les Mis, the new Les Mis. And that in itself. Yeah,
2: no disrespect me? to this movie. I love it. Yeah, I don't think it would have beaten Parasite even on its best day. Cause... But look,
1: in in Best Picture that was Parasite. I'm if it, if I wish it would at least got nominated. Parasite is a better movie than it. Also, I meant to say during Roma you could make a Parasite like uh, societal
2: comparison.
0: Yes, in
1: Roma as well. I, right when I went right when Furman called her a servant, I was like, "Parrot," this is like Parasite a little bit. But as I was saying, Best Picture was Parasite. N- nobody's going to disagree that it should have won. It should have won. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Good movie, but I think Pain and Glory could have made it in over it. The Irishman. Never haven't seen, seen it. it. Jojo Rabbit. I think that should be in there. The Joker. I'm not a fan of the Joker. I'll say it. Little Women. I've heard it's really good. haven't seen it. Marriage Story. I've heard mixed things
2: about it. So I, would put, I would put I would Pain and Glory over Marriage Story. Marriage Story, to me, was... Actually, that's in my... Because it was so joyless. I didn't have a good time. But, like, Pain and Glory... I, like, I was re- like I was I was cheering for some moments like when he when he threw the drugs in the toilet I was up clapping I was happy but Wedding story not such a positive experience for me so I would say Pain and Glory could have been ahead of that one also
1: 1917 which I think I think that kind of had to yeah. be nominated and also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which I've not seen yet but I I'd
2: put to. Pain and Glory over that one to be honest too many feet in it for you. The, the Like, the blatant feet on the window, bro. What is happening? That's how it goes. I wish it didn't have to go that way. Anyway. But, yeah, go see this movie. I think it was snubbed at the Oscars, but it's still absolutely worth it. Antonio Banderas knocks it out of the park, knocks it out of the stratosphere. Honestly, he should have won Best Actor. I'll say it. Joaquin yes. had moments, but also Joaquin had some particular moments in Joker when I didn't think it was very well delivered. Honestly, the scene when he, uh, when he's in the makeup on the show and he starts yelling at Murray, I thought it was kind of like, like it just didn't seem like it was delivered that well. I don't know what it was. That scene's always sort of stuck out to me. But anyway, now Davis, on to our larger point at hand.
1: Why do we like foreign movies? Or more so, why do I? I,
2: I know why for me.
1: Alex likes them, but I don't think he likes them as I don't. I'm not trying to I
2: I like them, but I do not seek them out as much because I just, I just, I didn't grow up seeing enough. And you know, there wasn't like, oh, I've, I, you know, you know, you see a movie, you see a type of movie because you've seen ones before, right? Mm -hmm. Like if the first five comic book movies you saw were Catwoman, Elektra, and Daredevil, and pick two other bad ones, pick Thor: The Dark World and I don't know a fifth one, but it's Suicide Squad, 2016 edition. You would want to see more. And it'd be difficult to convince somebody like my friend to see more comic book movies if those were the first five, right? hmm So I think the idea was that I just hadn't seen that many, so it wasn't like, you know, enough. why am I going to go click this one if I haven't seen it when I know that I'd probably like something else better? But I've seen some good ones now. I personally have found that I like them because it's interesting because... They are foreign language films, but they are made for all audiences. And they are made for an English audience because English is spoken most in the Most people in- around the world can yes. speak English because a lot foreign countries teach it as well, better than we teach our foreign languages here in America. But that's all a separate debate for another day. I'm going to be started on that. I'm not, I'm not even going to try. But it's made for that audience as well. And I think with foreign language films, it brings a lot out in the actors because I think. One thing about language and about dialects is you can tell certain things about the way a person is speaking. If they're speaking your own language, you can tell what they mean, how they're feeling based on their pronunciation, right? Based on the way they are inflexing their words. And with foreign language movies, you don't, it's more difficult to tell sometimes. Like when I was watching Parasite, sometimes I couldn't tell about the scheming because I was like, "It." they just, I didn't know the tone so well because it wasn't as conveyed to me because I couldn't figure it out. And that drives these actors to really depict things more clearly with their expressions and with their body language because you also don't want to have people reading exposition subtitles because pe- people don't like subtitles. And last thing you want is some pointless exposition explaining their emotions. So it really puts the actors and the filmmakers in a position to better craft how these people are feeling on screen without just showing it with words. And that's something I noticed in Parasite. And I noticed it a lot more in Pain and Glory and in Roma. And I really like that about these movies because it really stands out. They can't turn to exposition. They can't turn to the common expressions that people use in the way their tones, because their tones are not expressed as clearly, I think, to the English-speaking audience, such as myself. So when I see that, I see them using it in different ways to depict that, and I like that. That's just my two cents. I think that's a good point there. But we
1: have a little bit difference in the reasons we like it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So as I said There's earlier, right I like there. to watch, I really like watching movies so I can gain new perspectives on things, so I can learn about things I wouldn't normally learn about. And that's one of the main reasons I love foreign language movies like Lehane. I still can't pronounce that right. I feel like I'm not pronouncing it, it right. It doesn't
2: sound right, but it has
1: to be. I mean, like, French is a hard language to pronounce. And
2: a hard accent to do sometimes.
1: <laughs> but watching these foreign language movies like Parasite, with, we obviously have class struggles in America. A lot of them. I'm not, like, don't get me started on that uh, but you 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 see something unique there like a lot about the Korean culture that I did not know about uh, same with Lahaine you learn about a lot of French culture a lot, a lot mostly French street work, like streetwear street culture uh, with like the the break dancing and the music that they play and just where they live basically and then pain and glory kind of gives you a look into I'm not gonna say... The Spanish high life, but just kind of like Spain in general and what it's like for someone there a little bit. I guess you could say, and
2: I, and I think it's fair to say, Pain and Glory may not offer as much as La or Parasite as you mentioned, but it offers some because again, it's not a place that we're from. You know, it's yes, it's a place I've been. I've been to Mexico once, and when I was cool. four. I know so uh, like matter. no, as long Jackson fell asleep in a pizza, the whole thing. But um. <laughs> I remember thinking Dora the Explorer being on TV in full Spanish was the funniest thing ever. Because I was like, hey, it's in the proper language now. Let's go. Like the, And my mom thought that was funny. And then when Spongebob was on in Spanish, I was freaking out too. But that's all separate. Um, whole separate story for another time. But, you know, it's these places that we haven't been. And unlike some bad depictions in uh, American cinemas, for Ugh. example, that uh, all of Russia is blue and all of Mexico has an orange tint for whatever reason. Couldn't tell you why. Couldn't tell you what inspired that? Yes, that's that is one of
1: my biggest gripes. I have a lot of gripes with American media, but like movie media. I uh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> we want, we want. But with movie, gosh, America's movies are usually just so America
2: centric. They're formulaic. Yeah, they are.
1: They go to Mexico. They say it's an orange tint. They go to the Middle East. It's all. Camels and desert, which is not true. They go to the Russia. It's all blue. It's
2: all blue and depressing. Well, it
1: same same with the Middle East. You go to you go to Mexico. It's like little huts. Uh, they go to Africa. It's huts. It's just that's not true. Yeah, it's not yeah. depicting it accurately. Exactly. It's exactly. depicting it from the standpoint exactly. of that America's the best. You don't want to leave America because America doesn't have this orange gradient over it, or it's not really hot. Who cares? And, but so I watch these foreign language. Sorry, Alex. You watch these foreign language oh, movies yeah. so you can actually see what it's like. You can learn. Something besides what we're just shown that's obviously wrong, and as someone that also, I, I'm sure you do as well. But I, I am a culture nut. I am a language nut. I like to learn as many languages. I'd love to be able to speak like four to five languages, even more. I'm still working on the second right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a work in progress. You know, it is a work in progress. I'm, hey,
2: save that for your retirement, dude. Then you got some fun to do when you're. But retired. when
1: you're, the fact, that, the fact of the matter is, when you're older, it's harder to learn a new language.
2: And what if I'm old? And retired, cooped up in my house. Where am I going to speak these languages? Uh, after you learn them, you're going to do that, hey, I'm 80 going on a trip around the world, bro. Or I can go on a trip around
1: the world when I'm young okay, and know, you know some what, of these Davis, languages.
2: I was just trying to... Okay, you know what? Never mind. I'm wrong. I get it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I said, you just to learn about these
1: different places, learn about these different people, these different experiences, these, these different cultures, because America gets kind of boring sometimes. We are... Uh, we're not even a melting pot. I mean people like to say we're a melting pot. We are a multicultural country, of course. People like to try to stifle that, but I think we should accept these cultures. We should let them flourish. And that's why I think I think that there should not be uh, I guess this is hard to it's hard to make a case for, but there should there should or shouldn't be a foreign language category, foreign language movie category yeah. in the Oscars. I well, get why they have it because they need to give recognition to these foreign language movies.
2: I don't think that's why they have it.
1: Well, I think because sometimes some of these movies, it's a very America-centric. Once again, a very America-centric Oscar. I'm sure there's award, there's award ceremonies in Spain, France, all that. They're also centric to that country that show their their media and stuff. But America, as is that like, is at a certain crossroads that some of these other countries, they're like, they, we have so many cultures colliding that all these foreign language movies have a place here. Indeed, but we don't showcase
2: them like we should. So I think. Um so Parasite, can you refresh my memory was that a straight to streaming service film or was it in theaters? It was in theaters. Okay. I think select theaters. Cuz what I was what my point I was trying to make was Roma, I thought Roma was a straight to streaming service uh film. I thought it, thought it was, had a, I had it I think it had a select on cuz my point was Netflix that, bought it pretty quick I'm pretty the, sure. The best picture category is separated because in reality Parasite and Roma are as we discussed, two of the better ones. Parasite won. Roma probably could have won, you know.
1: I think Parasite should have won that, but I would not be mad if Roma did.
2: Exactly. Like like no, no those are two separate years, remember? That's I was, t- I was talking about Roma was the year before and then Parasite was the year after.
1: Parasite Oh no, you're right, you're right. And I
2: was talking about hey they were in the best picture yeah, yeah, yeah. category. So the point is is that the Oscars are in the business of making money. You know, we like you and Golden Globe, same thing where they had the Hollywood Foreign Press was like nominated some TV show that they when they visited the set they like got this like five star hotel and this big dinner and stuff like that and this whole thing you're like wait a minute isn't that bribery it's like eh, yes gray area but so the idea is the Oscars are for making money so who is going to tune into the Oscars when your best picture nominees are movies that people haven't seen that's in my opinion that's why it's happening because I hadn't seen Parasite until recently that's on me but even then the year that it was nominated I probably wouldn't have seen it yet because it wasn't on a streaming service to that point it was in select theaters but the idea is that's why. It's the same thing for, well, less so for animated features. That was to give animated features their recognition because that genre deserved it because it was breaking barriers of technology, in a sense, in the 1990s with stuff that had never before been seen. And that ne- it deserved recognition because they gave special recognition before, but they needed its own category. And these films, foreign language films, are, in their own sense, they need the recognition, but also you're not going to sell ratings when your best picture nominees are movies people haven't heard of. Yeah, I know for I me, that. I got a bit more annoyed, because I used to watch the Oscars every Sunday, or every year when it played on Sunday with my family, and I would get more annoyed when it was movies that I'd never heard of that had made 350 k at the box office. They were in two theaters, right? So I think that's why. Now, that you could argue that's wrong, but I just think that's the real reason, above all
1: else. No, yeah, the Oscars is all about money. There's there's a controversy, like, a few last year or two years ago, where, like, most of the voters all old white guys, by the way, if you didn't know, with a few, I think they're start, try, starting to kind of mix it up a little bit to get more diverse voices out there into okay. the into the mix of voting. But they, they'd they vote on movies they hadn't even seen. They'd be like, oh, this person's in this movie, I'm going to vote for it. Uh-oh. That's like, that, that's what <laughs> happened. And there's obviously, we've all heard, most of us have heard about uh, Legacy wins where they give like, like Leonardo DiCaprio for Revenant I don't think he should have won the Oscar for Revenant. Compared to they gave it to him then because they they uh
2: uh I think he should, he still was great in Revenant. What year was that? 2016? 2015. Let's 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 see and make and see if we can make this argument right now. I Have you seen Revenant? No, but I've Oh my Listen. God. Let me let me make my case. I know your please. point, but your point
1: my they gave him that like they've given other legacy awards. Because they, they, uh what's the right word? Feel bad. <laughs> yeah, they feel bad because he should have won for another movie way before that, but they just never gave it to him. So they're like, we'll finally give it to him, so he'll shut up.
2: I think I think it was actually 2016 because Revenant was released in 2015. Let's see. Same year as it Mad was, Max? It was. Best
1: Actors, Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, that year, okay, that year he should have won it. Out of all those people... But the fact of the matter is, there are still legacy wars they give out, even if they do not. Oh,
2: I agree, it. and I and I think I think to a certain extent oh, we've seen that done. But I think I think you could argue that because he should have won for Revenant, but that should not have been his first one. Yes, because he's a I mean he's an incredible actor, and he's done it in a million movies at this point. I think *Aviator* is one he's really good in. I think he's also really good in uh, *Wolf of Wall Street* as well. *The Depart* I and mean, again we can go on and on. Don't need to, but. Yes, I think that's. I think it's a good point. I think the legacy award thing. I think. I think Brad Pitt's best performance is not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is definitely not. Not even close, honestly. I mean, I think he should have won for seven. Oh, honestly. definitely should have. Honestly, was he even nominated? I don't think he was. Let's check. I'll double check on this one.
1: But so I don't. I don't think we. I don't really have anything else to really add, except that I love. Other cultures, I love other languages. That's why I love foreign movies. And we really
2: like foreign movies. And, hey, if, if any of you guys listening right now have got a foreign movie that we haven't talked about or we haven't mentioned yet and you think we should watch it or review it on this show, go right ahead and tell us. Because, I mean, we we certainly welcome that. And if you got a foreign movie that has gone under the radar, because, again, I wouldn't hurt heard of because it was 1995. It's an older movie that's not as popular today, so that's fair. So if you guys have a movie that uh, we haven't talked about, yeah. Uh, oh, wait. Seven got nominated for one Oscar, so that's a whole separate thing. But um, Oscars
1: are bad about giving, like, they gave the Oscar Best Picture to As Good As It Gets instead of Good Will Hunting, which I know you don't like Good Will Hunting, but it is a far superior movie I, than As Good As It Gets.
2: I, good Will Hunting, I just, it was difficult to get attached to a main character that I didn't like. That's just my personal two cents. I, I love get that. it. That's
1: an amazing movie. I, Shawshank didn't win any awards, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe they won, like, Best Cinematography.
2: No, Shawshank did go to the awards, I think. I'm pretty sure they didn't. I thought they did. But like there's been Oh, they were nominated for seven, they didn't win a single one actually.
1: Yeah. Spike Lee's never won a best
2: director before,
1: which I'm not a fan of the legacy awards, but they need to give him
2: He he's got a, Yeah, he's got He didn't own even nominate sp- him.
1: This The Five Bloods got one nomination. It was for They completely snubbed Delroy Delroy Lindo for supporting actor this year. He was amazing in that. I know you I don't think you've seen I it. must
2: say, I have not, so I cannot say. The thing is, I'm always hesitant to argue about certain people not getting Oscars for this and that because I don't know who they were up against. Like, for example, some years have I said, oh, this guy didn't get an Oscar, but he was the three years he was nominated were the three years that Daniel Day-Lewis won an Oscar. What about this?
1: Brokeback Mountain lost to Crash.
2: I haven't seen Crash, but that's that's tough. I personally
1: didn't really like... Stanley Kubrick's never won, I'm pretty sure. What? Despite four Best Director, he never won a single one. Clockwork, Spartacus, 2001, and Doctor Strangelove—not a single win. And that's why I mean, like, the, it's just like the Grammys. Nobody likes really likes the Grammys either, because like, I got one. Let's hear it.
2: Um, uh, Martin Scorsese winning for The Departed—that's not his best directed movie.
1: They gave it to him because they didn't give it to him for Goodfellas. His, his,
2: his best directed movie, yeah. His best directed movie might be Goodfellas. It's honestly it probably is *Raging Bull* or *The Taxi Driver*. But like, but I the like, fact of the matter is, we yeah. don't like these awards. Yeah, and of course. Because of that, we're doing an eleven movie podcast where you are going to predict them all. Because what else? everybody's talking about, I was them. supposed to say we might as well do it. I mean, sure, we can. We can we'll, always we can have we'll an episode
1: just, before that biggest snubs. We'll just ooh. Hold, hold up now. Hold up now. Ah, this is a preview. Or
2: maybe maybe I could. Uh, we could do best actor of all time, and I could get you to watch the three Daniel Day Lewis because he's the only guy to win three. Actually, I don't know if you knew that, but he's the only guy to win three for the best actor. Um, sorry, that was I just been thinking about those movies again because I talked about it earlier, but. We'll just be sure to mention every fifteen minutes on the episode we don't like the Oscars. We'll just like you know a little disclaimer p s a'll we'll play in the middle by the way, despite the fact that these two are talking about the Oscars, they do not like them in any way and back to the show um but you know honestly, maybe a snub one. I don't know we'll see what happens but any anything else to add is before we close out this episode foreign film expedition day number two anything else nothing really, but I do have an outro
1: oh. in.
0: Oh? Yeah, so no, you I'm say wrong. your thing. I'm to say, I'll say my thing. Then we'll close it out with
1: that. So again,
2: go ahead and watch Roma, watch Pain and Glory. And if you've got any foreign language films you would like us to watch, like us to talk about on the show, do not hesitate to let us know. And now Davis, take it away. Buenas noches y gracias por escuchar nuestro programa.
1: Sintonice la próxima vez.